This is Crowdfunding Uncut, the place where creators and entrepreneurs come to learn how to launch a successful crowdfunding campaign. Here's your host, Kirsten Ross. I want to take a second to thank Gadgetflow for sponsoring this episode. Guys, if you are looking for an awesome platform to get your crowdfunding project in front of over 25 million people per month, you should absolutely check them out. They are the third largest Indiegogo partner and listed on Kickstarter as experts. And not to mention, they've worked with over 4,000 crowdfunding projects since 2012. Their platform also now supports AR and VR, which I thought was a really cool add-on. To find out more, you should definitely head over to thegadgetflow.com slash submit to list your crowdfunding project today, but be sure to use coupon code UNCUT10 to get 10% off your services with them. Hey everyone, this is episode 112 of Crowdfunding Uncut. I am your host, Kirsten, and you should know that by now. Um, You can find out future and past podcast episodes by going to crowdfundinguncut.com. And um, our guest today is... He had a successful company before going into using Kickstarter as a platform to do two subsequent product launches. And we are starting to, I, I know with the podcast in the past, we've really dove into launch strategy with what do you do to actually launch your company? And when you're in the thick of a 30-day campaign, how do you get traffic and sales to your page and stuff? But we, we haven't really looked at uh, too much on what happens once you're actually funded and you're actually successful. And, and a lot of times this is an afterthought for a lot of entrepreneurs. And um, actually, uh, EJ Ramdas from the 5-Minute Journal, Productivity Planner, big fan of his work. He's also a friend in Toronto. And I was just thinking like, I was at a dinner last night and EJ, too bad you weren't there. But it, it was kind of a surreal moment for me because I, I was sitting around a table of about eight people and we had the founders of Nixware there. We had the founders of Best Self Co of another uh, successful company that I'm just going to. So sitting around a table with with a bunch of um, entrepreneurs that all started their companies off of Kickstarter. And three, four years later, they're now doing multi-million dollars. And that's ultimately the vision and the the dream that that I get into when I start a client relationship with someone is like, I really want you to to understand that this idea or this product you have right now, it just may be an idea, but you have no idea what this is going to do in two, three, four years. And I want to get you to think bigger and challenge you on that. And um, I think UJ is the great guy to actually start having this conversation. So who is UJ? Well, um, I went to an event and I, I opened a swag bag and it was a product endorsed by Tim Ferriss called the five minute journal. It's a gratitude journal that forces you, well, it, it, it asks you to focus on what's really most important in your life. And it's a really great productivity principle that um, I use as a morning routine. And when we actually look into future products, he's launched a productivity planner on Kickstarter that raised $170,000. And most recently, the five-minute journal for kids, which did just under $80,000. And uh, EJ is yeah, partner of Intelligent Change, all this sort of thing. I'm going to shut up and just let him do the talking because he is awesome with this and I'm starting to script the introduction. So UJ, <laughs> I'm like, I'm so super stoked that you're here. I know we've had several conversations in the past, but um, for an audience that doesn't know you, can you just walk us through what you do and why Intelligent Change and how you get started with the, this whole thing? Sure. Yeah. So Intelligent Change is essentially a company that makes beautiful tools that people help change, right? So 
we make beautiful things that help people change in a way that feels smooth to them. Uh, because as we know, um, change is a huge part of life anyway, and we want to change in the right way. And um, if we can sequence uh, the right things when, as we're focusing in the right way and, make, and package it beautifully, it just moves in a way that makes people happy. Um, and you know, we did that with Climate Journal. We've done that with uh, our app. Uh, Proctory Planner, and uh, recently the Five Journal for Kids, and it's something that what what we're really kind of passionate about, what we really care about, is making the world a better place, and and in not in like a ethereal, uh, you know, everything happens for a reason way, in a very practical, tactical, uh, principle based, research oriented uh, way, and uh, I've always been a huge for the last seven years, like I've. Every dollar I've made, I've really made on someone's life and behavior moving in the right direction, right? Um, and that's important to me. I think uh, there's a lot of ways we can spend our time, our energy, and um, I really care about leaving the world a better place um, than it came. And there are simple and and, and consistent things you can do uh, every day to make that happen. And so we just create tools for ourselves and then we share it with the world because we want to see the selfishly, we want to see these tools in our lives so we can use them. Right. And intelligent change being the brand behind the journals. Did, did, um, what did that look like? Was the five minute journal, your very first product or was it the first one that had commercial success? Like- no, it was the first product. It was just, it was just a side project at the time. Um, because it was something that, um, my, uh, partner Alex and I, uh, decided to create. And then, you know, you know Mimi was also very, you know, kind of a huge part of the, uh, the company. It's, it's because we wanted to see this in the world. That's it. You know, I had a practice of gratitude. Alex had a practice of gratitude. Uh, we wanted to create something that made it easy and simple for us to, uh, to write in, um, that I didn't have to write it all by hand in a $2 notebook. So it was, it just happened pretty organically. It happened because we wanted to create something that made the world a better place and um, that we wanted to see you know, what was possible. And then uh, we, just, we just created it and put it out there and uh, it started to become really popular. And Can you, you were actually yeah. planning to launch it on Kickstarter, actually. And... Um, and we actually didn't end up end up doing that, I remember. Uh, but we came close to launching on Kickstarter, to be honest. Why didn't you launch on Kickstarter? Our video was shit. Oh. Um, so we tried making something. It didn't work. Like, we were supposed to launch on a specific date. It, like, the timeline wasn't working. We were like, you know what? Screw this. Let's just, let's just launch and be done with it. And that was that. So how did you launch if you didn't do it on Kickstarter? We actually launched at uh, Mastermind Talks. Oh, Jason Gainhart. Mm-hmm. Ah. launched the first Mastermind Talks ever. Amazing. So how big was the audience at that point? Uh, at, at Mastermind Talks itself? Yeah. I think 110, 120 people. So you essentially did a soft launch mm-hmm. in front of a group of people. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Yeah. And just to see where it went. And, um, and it was the right audience. 
Oh, that is. So for those that don't know, Mastermind Talks, Jason's actually our next guest on the podcast. Funny enough. Um, It is a very high level group of entrepreneurs, roughly six, seven figures plus, um, very Uh, much in the personal development space. So mostly sevens and eights. Okay. Some higher. Yeah. 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 Very high level event. Jason's been able to um, run what? Two mastermind talk events a year. No, is it one? One a year, right? One one a year. Yeah. One. And he charges around $10,000 for these events and they are the best in the industry. So anyways, we'll leave that uh, for another conversation, but that's cool. Like you, you, systemize because you're a very systems oriented person and methodical. And so you took a system that you were using on your own and you actually created a framework for that and turn it into a 365 day journal. So how well, it was actually, it's actually yeah. for half a year. It's oh. Yeah. So uh, if you look at the form factor for a year, it's actually thick. It's too big. It's, it's very intimidating. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you create it for six months, it's actually the form factor is beautiful. It's simpler, it's softer, it's cleaner. It actually helps people um, follow the habit better. It's like okay. same thing with behavioral uh, modification. The smallest thing is is the thing that gets you started. Mm-hmm. If it's too big of a book, you'll hesitate picking it up because you know it's big. So productivity planner. Is it the same six-month principle? Oh, amazing. Okay. Um, So I'm curious, like when you're testing a framework on something, you want to make sure that it is usable by multiple people and it becomes a habit. So what was your, how did you test the framework and the the format of the actual journal and the questions on on the page? Ourselves and our friends. Because we know we were making it for ourselves and our friends, right? So you want to test it on an audience that works. Mm-hmm. Um, that is going to be your target audience, and and um, it's interesting because like as it, as it continued working, like it, it typically gets, gets picked up by entrepreneurs, starters, athletes, um, people who are interested in their own well being, and people who like beautiful things. Um, so it's it's just something we we tested a bunch of times, and and we started to get really good feedback, and and some things we started to modify and tweak and things like that, but it it wasn't long. It was uh, straightforward. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. a very different journal than what's out there. Well, we were really the first journal on the market. Um, like we were, you know, right now everybody's got all kinds of journals. This journal, that journal, uh, Panda Planner, blah, 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 right? This Going is lots of stuff. Power. Yeah. And, and you're, in, you're in the industry, like you're in the crowdfunding space. So you probably see this a lot more than even I do. Uh, but I get links from friends and, and customers all the time. Um, in our audience all the time. Hey, like, you know, semi knockoff here, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and some of them, it, it makes sense because some of them are just absolute ripoffs, right? It's absolute mm-hmm. ripoffs. They haven't really even done anything original and we go after them. And some of them have actually done the work they need. They've, they've approached it with creativity and intuition and, and they've created something that, that's their own. Um, mm-hmm. And I respect that. You know, that's great. That's, that's what being in business is. Like you create your own thing based on something that you know you see a need for in, in the marketplace. And yeah. whoever is able to fit the need best wins. So there's a point when Tim Ferriss started endorsing the five minute journal. Mm. Can you walk me through, and I think I know the answer to this, but can you walk me through how you went from selling out that first soft launch of Mastermind Talks to getting it in front of Tim Ferriss and him endorsing you and yeah, so Tim was actually in the audience yeah. at Mastermind Talks. Okay. 
that was where he was at. So that was just like a stroke of unbelievable awesomeness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I met him later that day and, um, and I remember telling him that, uh, Hey, love your work. Cause I was really, uh, the, the project was hugely inspired by his work for our work week in specific. And I'm a huge fan of his stuff. Ox is a huge fan of his stuff. So, uh, we were like, okay, you know, at least I want to get his, his eyes on this. And, um, we'd just love to hear what he thinks. I had no idea he would endorse it. No idea. Uh, I wasn't thinking that big to be honest. And, uh, I just said, Hey, I would love for you to take a look at it. I would love to hear what you think. That's it. All right. She said, yeah, I'll take a look at it. And, uh, and later I hear that, uh, he, he was kind of asking around the front desk for a copy or so. So I, I know he was, there was interest there going in. And um, two months later, I got a, get an email um, from his assistant basically saying that he wanted to purchase 3,200 copies for his audience, uh, for his quarterly box that was existing at the time. So it's been since then that he's been an incredible supporter um, of our stuff. That shows the power of networking, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I'm a well, huge believer in, I mean. Yeah. Yeah, like right place, right time. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. Yeah. Um, in terms of you starting to build your audience past, because, you know, with every product that gets launched, there's a point where you need to keep driving traffic to a page and get sales coming in and, and stuff like that. Uh, would you say, what do you attribute your growth to? Was it just really good paid ad strategy? Was it word of mouth? A lot of it was word of mouth. Um a lot of it was also, um, I think we had a pretty consistent um, sales process. Like we, um, I'm not sure you're familiar with uh, Joey Coleman. No. Um, so this is a fantastic um, video to watch. He's got a presentation on the first 100 days. Uh, I think it's on YouTube. So if you just search like YouTube, YouTube, Joey Coleman, first hundred days, Okay. pull up a couple of videos. I think one is 20 minutes, one is an hour. I would go for the one that's over an hour because okay. it's worth it. Um, basically talks about the importance of wowing your customer multiple times in the first hundred days and how important that is. Um, unbelievable, incredible stuff. Uh, and I believe he's coming out with a book relatively soon, but I don't know exactly when. Um, that is great. I'm going to find it and link that up in the show notes. Yeah. It's everybody who wants to build a business needs to watch this, this thing. Okay. Because it's not that hard guys. It's not that hard to consistently wow your audience. And once you've set the structure in place, you're done. It's over. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, it's, you have automated emails going out. You have um, your customer service that's trained up to be a certain standard next, a certain standard of excellence. And basically like a business, building a great business is really systematizing excellence. It sounds so simple. It sounds so sexy and it's fucking hard to do. I know. Right. But like really, if, yeah. you, can do that, if you can do that, um, you're flying, you're laughing because most people aren't. You know, as um, 
I'll totally back up what you're saying. I was with the uh, founder of, uh, you know what? I'm, I don't even know if I can disclose this, but I was with someone recently um, whose business went from 5 million to 20 million in the last year. And I asked the person what their number one, here's my podcasting questions, but like my, you know, the number one thing that changed it for them. And they said it was, we got a consistent sales model. We figured out a system that we could rinse and repeat with the, um, the paid ads funnels, the email marketing, and the, the start to finish customer acquisition channel. They nailed that. And that once you got something that works, you scale that. So it's, um, can't agree with what you're saying more. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a really important thing. And it's, uh, like I said, it's a complex thing to execute, but it's, it's, uh, it's worth it. Yeah. Um, so going into, like, I, I know the story behind the five-minute journal. Um, at what point did you get the idea for Productivity Planner? I think at some point, um, Alexa and I were talking and uh, we were talking. We were we were kind of like frankly a little dis uh, enchanted uh, by a bunch of the productivity stuff out there, and we were kind of struggling with it ourselves. And we we're like, oh, there's got to be something here. So we're trying like apps and this and that and everything else. There wasn't. And and the thing we've always liked the productivity planner. It's been uh, sorry the Pomodoro technique. It's been huge for us, right? So if you have you have you heard of the, something called a Pomodoro technique? Yep, it's the twenty five minutes of focus time, five minutes off. Yep, keeps you honest, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and actually tells you how much work you can get done if you just focus on one thing for twenty five minutes. It still blows my mind. Like I've been doing it for a while, still blows my mind. So doing that, and uh, I think we just started to like read a bunch of stuff, try a bunch of stuff, and we were like, "There's a market here." Like we and and we want this for ourselves, and that was that. Like there was no like aha moment as much as like a slow realization that this is something we want. This is something we want to do. Um, so yeah, that's cool. that's the the genesis of it. And at that point, you chose Kickstarter, and I'm I'm assuming you chose Kickstarter because one of the reasons you had a good video. So knowing that you guys butchered the video the first time with Five Minute Journal. What did you do differently to have a video that worked? It obviously worked because you raised 170000 Yeah, well, um, A, we were, we're a few years in, so we got better at video. And also, uh, Alex um, and Nimi, videos are strength, right? So they have a strong YouTube presence. They have a strong YouTube audience. Um, you know, we just got better. Just as simple as that. Uh, um, we just got more, um, you know, we, it just worked. And uh, we took the time that we needed to to make it and did great. With your, I'm curious, like your first video, why do you think it sucked? Like, was it just not professionally, professional grade? Was it the script? Like, um, what did, what exactly did you change? It, it was a while ago. So let me, let me remember. I Like, I remember watching it a few times and I was like, nope. <laughs> you, know? you just um, know. I think the editing wasn't great, to be honest. Um, I think we were we were young and experienced. We didn't know what we were doing. Like I, I definitely didn't know what I was doing on video, um, and it was just not. It was just not there. 
was just not there and just, we just didn't have the time and the energy to do it all again. Yeah, um, that makes sense. And time was coming up and we were like, you know, between releasing something that's subpar and just, you know, there's a difference between like good enough and not good. Right? This was not good. This would have been embarrassment on your brand's first take into oh, the world. Sure. Oh, for sure. And for what it's worth, like, you know, we didn't have much to lose, but, you know, why lose? Still, the last thing you want, and this is a like true concern of creators, is like, if that first campaign fails, they are they're searchable for life. And unless if you get the platform to pull the campaign, yeah. it's kind of like a... Yeah, um... Yeah and no. Like, actually, so I, it's interesting because my, my perspective on this actually changed. It was the case that I was I was skeptical and a little um, a little concerned about it. But to be honest, right now, I don't think it matters as long as you keep hustling. Yeah, as long as okay. you keep learning and you keep hustling. Like yeah, for that for that year, year and a half, like you know, you might be searchable, and it might come up, and you're like, oh, these guys haven't done very well. But like, as if you keep hustling, if you keep trying, if you keep moving, if you keep innovating, um, you know, they'll just know that there was a bump on the road, and you did great. Mm-hmm. So it really depends on how much you can continue to bring it. Yeah, I really like that perspective. Yeah. So, Kickstarter the second time. What was your thought? behind why it would be good for your brand to go onto it for a productivity planner? Um, well, it just made sense. Like, it just makes sense. Um, that's why it made sense for the Farmer Journal. It made sense for... It makes sense for a product that has a, an appeal that's, a, that's original, um, that is appeal that is... Um, new and interesting and that people could get behind. Um, Kickstarter is a fantastic way, as you know, you're in the industry, right? It's a fantastic way to get a bunch of new eyeballs, a bunch of new customers, a bunch of, um, a bunch of buzz around your product. Um, so, so even if, you know, all things being equal, even if you were netting the same amount doing Kickstarter, Kickstarter is going to be better for you uh, because in the long term, you're actually netting more because the long-term value of new customers is going to be massive, right? The value of the press, the value of the launch, the value of the new people that you're bringing to the fold, like all of this stuff, the value, actually there's a massive value of like actually having your team fire in all cylinders for a period of like, you know, six to eight weeks. It's a lot, a lot of value. And there's a lot of value in all of these things. So um, it just makes sense. Right. Um, I'd say majority of my clients are people that fit someone like you. They are a current brand that are using Kickstarter to launch the second or third product. And something that internally they really struggle with is how do you manage a external launch with the day-to-day business operations? So it would be like, you know, you still have, you had... um, the Kickstarter launch of the five minute journal for kids happening around Q4 with like other holiday e-commerce things going on. Like how do you split resources on the team to make sure you don't like, 
you know, you keep the boat afloat. You get people. You get people. So, people who are good at operations and good at, at execution. So do you mean... I can't do everything alone. Like, you can't. It's, it's impossible. So it's, you get people. It's, and, and you find people, and finding people is the number one problem in business. Like, yeah. It's really the number one problem. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because a lot of people talk about jobs and employment, all this other stuff. To be honest, if people were good, they'd be employed. Right? Just say you do have a team and you don't know how to split your team resources. Like, do you take three people off your team to focus exclusively on the launch or do you try and split tasks? So you, you, you figure out, like you prioritize, obviously you prioritize what you need. And, um, frankly, like, I don't think our recent, um, Kickstarter, like we weren't happy with it. Right. Um, with the, the farm trail for kids. So we did the Kickstarter recently, as you know, uh, weren't super happy with it. And we still have to do like a post-op analysis in terms of like, you know, we were still fresh off of it, just kind of closed about a week ago. Um, and we got to figure out like what happened there, right? Because uh, typically, as you know, second time around, Kickstarters tend to do exponentially better, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that, that, was the, that, was, that was the goal and that was the intention. Um, and we did, right? So what happened? And, and that's, that's a deep dive that I'm looking forward to because uh, you can bet that that wouldn't happen again. Yeah. I mean, like I spoke to you about two weeks before you launched that and you, this was a product that your audience was asking for. So it's not like a, mm-hmm. it's exactly. not whether it's something they want or not. It's like they wanted it. Exactly. Um, do you, did, have you looked at like your on-page conversion or asked for feedback from your audience? Like, have you tried to isolate maybe what it could have been? Um, there's, there's several factors. Um, but I think, one factor that we didn't fully consider, it's a couple of factors. One is timing. Uh, a little earlier might have helped, mm-hmm. um, especially if it were delivered like early December-ish, um, you know, launched October-ish. They just, you know, it didn't work with our product cycle. Um, the other thing is we didn't quite consider what percentage of our audience were moms and dads. Oh, Okay. Um, that directly will be able to contribute. So, so, so I'm still in in the long term. I'm still super bullish on the time of kids. I think it's a fantastic thing. It can really make a huge difference, especially in schools and in um, in the lifestyle of uh, a a family where the parent is very involved with the child, child, like education, training, the practice of gratitude and stuff like that. And I really think it's, uh, it's got a fantastic kind of situation there. I think we could have done a better job, um, on the PR and in, in the outreach. Okay. But again, this is early stages. This is me like kind of throwing a little bit of shots in the dark, but, semi-informed so this is not fully hashed out no for sure i mean that's what's difficult about kickstarter is you you press the go button and if numbers don't aren't where you need them to be that's when you have to deep dive and you have all these theories as to what it could be and um what do you think it could be 
Um, it's either, honestly, like you, if I had to, you have an audience and you have a product that people are asking for. So mm-hmm. I feel like if we could have done it differently, I would have liked to build a audience specifically of parents, because just say you have an email list of 10,000 people, but only 500 of them are parents. You need 10% of those to come in. So like we would, I think we'd want to build a more specific audience that is exactly who you need to buy the product. And that's going to be parents. So I feel like what it could have been is, uh, I, I don't know what your sales were on the first few days, but just starting off with the larger audience of parents would have helped you have higher numbers, which would have helped you get just more of everything. So I don't think you're too far off there. Like, um, yeah, I don't think you're too far off there. Like this is, I don't know what your on-page conversion numbers were, or if you got what your top objection was with clients or customers emailing in, but it's usually because the audience pool wasn't specific enough mm-hmm. or big enough, or we didn't have a as good of understanding on a demographic or price point or something like that. Got it. So we'll figure it out. Yeah, because there's so many things like what happened. Okay, so send me send me that the deep dive. I'd love to sure. see it. So sounds good. And hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, but it helps you see clearer in the, into the future as well, right? So that twenty twenty mm-hmm. like uh, bleeds a little bit of that bleeds into the future, which is nice. Oh, it's so true. And I mean, who who knows to say if you decide to relaunch the five minute journal for kids in a few months that it won't explode, right? Like we we did the Jamstack campaign twice. The first one did eighty thousand, and exact same campaign. Exact same campaign. Wow, um, including video. Yes. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Okay, no, no. So what happened was we we did campaign one on Kickstarter, launched on Black Friday, and we did a few things wrong. We still had a successful campaign. It was 80,000 raised. And then about four months later, we relaunched on Indiegogo and did 350,000. Wow. And when we... We have to look at why it didn't do as well as we'd hoped. And the two... The two biggest factors for us was, A, we launched on Black Friday, where the amount of competition for eyeballs is insane. And so uh, that was the first one is it was very competitive. And the second one was we um, didn't get truly intimate with our audience to really understand. We were a little too broad with our marketing, uh, sorry, our positioning of the product. We, we knew that the Jamstack would be used in five or six main ways, but that actually diluted our message. So mm-hmm. what we had to go back and do is figure out what the top one or two things were that people yeah. would use it for. And so we did have to redo the video and we did have to really um, focus our positioning on those two things. And right, those what are the two things. you decide to relaunch it? Sorry, this is turning into a reverse interview, but I'm very curious. <laughs> we, no, I love, I freaking love this. Um, we decided to relaunch it because we knew going in, we needed $250,000 to bring it to market. And falling short of $80,000, um, it's, you know, we, we have raised additional investments since and didn't really need Indiegogo, to be honest, but... The reality is that we saw an opportunity on reflection that with just better positioning and a better understanding of our audience, how big could this thing go? Awesome. So that's why we relaunched. And usually a relaunch will do way better because 
you you just understand what happened. The whole situation right? much better. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, and uh, so that's why we relaunched it. So I'm I'm a big fan. If you don't get it right the first time, okay, good to know. Do it. So, but uh, going back to you, um, the whole point of this was like you get funded on Kickstarter and you get a lump. So Kickstarter now gives you one hundred and sixty thousand dollars for a product, and you fulfill. How have you grown the business from, I, I'm not talking intelligent change. I'm talking specifically productivity planner at this point, but like, how did you grow that side of it specifically? So, uh, if your audience is familiar with the thousand true fans, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that hardest and the most important thing to do in the early stages of a business is to get a thousand true fans, a thousand people that will buy your stuff, that will talk about you, that will tweet about you, that will Instagram about you, that will, that will share your stuff and be excited for your stuff when it comes out. Um, that needs to happen, right? Mm-hmm. And the cool thing with Kickstarter is like that happens, right? Like that. The the amazing thing about it is it is your gateway to your first thousand fans. It is a gateway to your first thousand fans. So once you have them, you just make sure you treat them well, right? Like it's it's just a kind of relationship. You get into a relationship, you treat your partner well. Um, right, you do what you need to ensure that you're you're on good terms. You, you make them, you know, you wow them. You do th- things that will like make them appreciate you. Um, and this is no different. Like you know, we 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 have a sequence of emails both for the property planner and the farmer journal how to stick with the habit. Right? You don't have, we didn't have to do that, uh, but we help them stick with the habit. Um, and we say, you know, it's a, it's a drip feed email campaign that helps them do that. Um, and we just ensure that, you know, we, we send them quality content. So we start, start emailing consistently, um, ensuring that we, we send stuff on happiness, on productivity, on becoming better, on growth mindset stuff. And um, as we, we also have retailers that we deal with and we work with, um, and that helps. Uh, grow the brand and grow the business because that opens up a whole new new audience that uh, that wouldn't be wouldn't know about us and uh, it's a it's a really awesome thing do you have a subscription model or we've we've, we've switched it on and off um, mostly because so when we this switched it on it was useful and effective but the, the logistics are actually hard to um, execute unless you're Amazon. Um, right. So it's, so we did try it for a period of about eight months. Okay. Um, and then I realized, ah, uh, this is, yeah. Cause there's, um, there are two kinds of products. The one cons- uh, consumables or like yours that you can buy and repeat every few months, but then there are the one-time products that are purchased like a cell phone case or, or whatnot. Um, if you don't have subscription, how have you been trying to get people to rebuy more product or a second version of a product? Well, once you have a list, you get, get a sense of what percentage of the list looks going to buy other stuff that you produce, right? You know, how, depending on how similar the product is, et cetera, et cetera. And as long as you're, um, you're focusing on create great, great things that, that blow your audience away, it happens over time. Um, so it's, you just choose to find out who the people are that are 
kind of buying your stuff and using your stuff more importantly and talking about your stuff and you focus on finding out what they need next. Yeah. I really like that. What, um, I think my favorite thing from this interview is that, or conversation is that we, we don't talk about strategy like, Oh, paid ads. It's all been focused on the customer experience with your brand. Yeah. And to be honest, I think paid is a weakness. Um, it's something that we want to get better at. Um, and it's just not something we've dialed down. We've done tons of paid stuff, uh, not tons, good chunk of paid stuff in the past, but, uh, we haven't really found, um, obviously retargeting makes money. Everybody makes money on retargeting. There's no, you know, that's, it doesn't take a genius to figure that out. Um, but it's, I think it's much harder to figure out prospecting, um, especially for a product that's like a price point, like between 20 and $30, um, it's 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 a much more of an art and i'm not sure, i don't think we've cracked that yet what do you prospect like in retail sense in wholesale so facebook prospecting ads oh yeah. got it got for to cold audience yes got it yeah that is that's always hard to yeah. until you nail it um, it's nailable yeah i mean but brands do it but it takes a few yeah. months yeah of throwing a lot of stuff against the wall and seeing what sticks. Like, I think that's um, part of the headache of what we do. Cause we like a lot of Facebook strategists, they don't want to get into the trenches and test. Mm -hmm. And cause it's, it's a lot of split testing, uh, testing different things. And like, you just don't get results for two, three, four months. Mm -hmm. And um, it, because we do campaigns based on paid ads and building an email list, like we have to start with that point, which gives us so much great data, but it takes a while to figure out that process yeah. as well, man. Um, well, this has been awesome. Uh, before we wrap this up, do you have any famous last words? So what would the intent of those last words be? Would- I want to know if there is something I should have asked you that I haven't. Um, Yeah, I guess the, the one thing I would say is make sure you scratch your own itch, right? Like, so especially when you're getting started on this, on this journey, wherever you are on this journey, um, if you're making product and if you are uh, bringing something to life and you are crowdfunding, blah, 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 make sure it's something you're going to use. Make sure it's something that the people you like are going to use because you're going to be in this you know, for a long time. Um, if, if it turns into something really cool and hopefully it does, um, so make sure it does, like it makes you proud. Well said, cause you're going to be at this for a long time and it might be the next $20 million company. Exactly. Yeah. You just don't know. Yeah. Great. So well, you know, condoms yeah. might, might not be the thing that your mom would like. Right? <laughs> I love that analogy. <laughs> I'm so stealing it. Um, well, if people want to find out more about you or um, Intelligent Change, where's a good place to send them? Um, IntelligentChange.com. Great. It's an awesome place to send them. Yeah, it's a really clean website. I love it. And Thank my you. stocking of you before this call. Awesome. <laughs> I love it. Cool. Well, EJ, this has been great. So thanks so much for coming on. My pleasure. I am so stealing his quote. If you didn't catch that, condoms may not be the thing that your mom would like. And 
I mean, story of my life. I'm 31 now. Makes me shudder a little bit. And they're like, parents are like, oh, so when are you going to have a baby? I'm like, um, not sure on that one. I have a puppy and you're going to hear him in the background of some of our future episodes, I'm sure, because he just likes to shove his toys in my face and all the things. No euphemism in there. But anywho, um, guys, if you're digging the content, I would love to hear from you, even if you have a suggestion for how to make the show better or a topic you want to see. So you can email me at K at crowdfundinguncut.com. Um, I see my dog Noah is literally eating my hand as I'm recording this. And okay, what you just missed out on was the dog uh, tipped over a glass of water all onto the floor, so I had to pause recording. If you're wondering why the, I'm doing this and not recording a fresh thing that sounds super professional, it's because like I do believe in the raw human experience and connection, and like I just don't believe in heavily edited things because um, it's just not what I'm about. Uncut is about being unrefined, raw, unprofessional, and just, you know, what you see is what you get, and I, I do believe it's uh, part of an honest approach to my brand, and all the things. So, and life is just boring when you try to edit it. Um, anyways, what was I was I saying? Oh yeah. If you want to hit up the links and the show notes and just see other podcast episodes, um, on the crowdfunding product launch topic, go to crowdfundinguncut.com. We also, for those of you that are getting started or want a bit more visibility, um, into what a product launch looks like we have, if you go to crowdfundinguncut.com and click on the field guide, it's a free download, which is a printable calendar and checklist. So it's a step-by-step plan uh, for free that you can use to see, um, what steps you need to take to make sure you're a prepared but also give yourself enough time to be successful. Um, Apart from that, we're going to wrap up this episode um, because I need to take the puppy out. Um, But yeah, we'll talk to you guys next week. Are you launching a product on either Kickstarter or Shopify and you're feeling completely overwhelmed with the process? Hi there, my name is Kirsten, the CEO of Launch and Scale. To date, we've helped several online sellers sell millions of dollars online and scale their business from zero to seven figures by focusing on building an audience of fans that will actually convert into paying customers. If you're serious about building a seven-figure e-commerce brand with less time and less risk, you should check out our product launchpad. PLP is a proven accelerator that takes you step-by-step through the process of launching and scaling your product brand. Brands like the Monk Manual, Aberlite, Series Chill, Jamstack, and several others were all launched using our product launchpad. So if you'd like to be our next success story, go to launchandscale.co slash PLP to learn more. And for a limited time, we're offering a seven-day trial of the product launchpad for only $1. Again, go to launchandscale.co slash PLP to learn more.